Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Coming up third, Liz Bird up the inside. Rock Diamond, wow! Four of them. Here is Rock Diamond and Mitchell Cushing. They win the gold cup in soccer. It's American history trying to dig in on the outside endeavor. Tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike, with your host Mike Carter, number one thousand for the third time, Aaron Merriman wins, and Mike Bozich. Down to the finish, turn in a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley and Apple Bottom Jeans one forty nine and two unbelievable. that dial. You've got another action-packed rendition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, oh, do you smell the air? Do you smell the fresh air? Finally, we are getting back to a little bit of normalcy with live race returning across most of the United States. Most of the United States. <laughs> we're, we're here in PA, but you know what good news actually in PA is, is uh, uh, the governor here now is going to give us the green light to race in uh, yellow. Uh, and for those of you that are unfamiliar with the color coding, uh, different counties here in the state of Pennsylvania have green, which is obviously, I don't want to say business as usual, but close to it. Yellow, which is kind of like the cautionary phase, and of course red, which pretty much is a stay-at-home order. Um, and most counties, I believe all counties by June 5th will be in the yellow. And at first the governor here wanted us to wait until we were in the green phase, but now we can race without fans, of course, in the yellow phase. But nonetheless, it seems like we're opening back up, Mike. A lot of racetracks getting back in action. Of course, the Meadowlands will be back in action. Coming up on Friday, we're going to have Dave Brower. Uh, Buffalo started yesterday. How about that, Mike? The first track to open up. In the state of New York, we're going to talk to uh, Brian Mazurk in just a couple of minutes. And Tyogan Vernon also getting ready to uh, 
get into action. And, of course, we're going to have uh, Brett Reese on the program as well. So, uh, Mike, it's good to have Harness Racing back. Uh, I know Ohio's been going now for a little bit with Scioto and Northfield. And, Mike, the numbers they have been posting have just been outstanding. Yeah, the numbers they've been uh, putting up are just huge, huge numbers. I think last night at Northfield, they just did, did just over $2 million. You're seeing records wow. hit all the time at Scioto. It's uh, $1.5 and $1.6 million. Got some big, big numbers, Mike, and uh, that is just amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to see some of the numbers that are, uh, that are being put up. It is impressive. And, you know, I've, I've always said it, you know, racing is probably in the best position uh, in this pandemic to get started before a lot of other sports, which means, Mike, we've got a good opportunity to uh, to attract some new eyes, if you will. Correct. I completely agree with that statement. You know, we've got a big, big opportunity here, and uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing, uh, you know, some of the racing uh, kick off in other parts of the country, the Meadowlands. Uh, Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment kicks off this week, and I know there's a lot of people in New Jersey that are super happy about that. Boy, no question about it, and uh, Freehold won't be too far behind. Of course, New York opening back up, all opening back up. Of course, it's not going to be business as usual, though. We've talked about this over the past couple of weeks with the, uh, you know, the new guidelines that are going to be done on the paddock, uh, social distancing, all that kind of stuff. So it's not going to be business as usual, but you know what? It's a big, important first step. Exactly. You know, getting these places back open is the key, uh, obviously, to getting back to um, a new normal, so to speak. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I know you're getting re- you're chomping at the bit to get back and start racing. And, uh, you know, it, it's been nice to kind of be able to participate, uh, here in Ohio a little bit in some of the, uh, some of the, uh, racing that's come back to the state of Ohio, Mike, you know, to be involved as a quote unquote essential employee, uh, helping some of these tracks get restarted. It's been kind of cool to watch. And, uh, you know, I'll get to talk a little bit about my experience, uh, you know, here shortly. I can't give any can't give any more detail other than that, but uh, I'll be able to talk about yeah. my experience here shortly. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it's been uh, it's been quite a ride, and uh, I'll tell you, it was uh, it was a, certainly a long two two and a half months. But uh, you know, some thoroughbred racetracks uh, were able to kind of keep going through throughout this whole thing, and and uh, I think Gulfstream Park, Mike, uh, on the thoroughbred side of things, is not too far away from uh, letting fans back into the racetrack, which is certainly huge. Exactly. It's a huge, huge step. And, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's a matter of when the fans can come back. Um, I know here in Ohio, you know, they, some places are expecting that as soon as the casinos open, that fans will be able to uh, attend the races. I'm not exactly sure if that's a hundred percent true or not, but you know, it's, it's going to be an amazing, amazing day when, you know, people can start going back to the racetrack. And, uh, you know, like you said earlier, harness racing has a huge chance to capitalize here. Uh, you see what Woodbine Mohawk Park is doing up in Canada. Mike, they are uh, they are actually getting on the national television station, uh, TSN. It's kind of like the ESPN here. And, uh, you know, it, it's a big, big thing for them. And I know, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people who are excited about it. Yeah, and I'm certainly one of them people, and I know you're one of them people as well. And another one of those people is uh, our good friend Brian Mazurk. He joins us now on the program. And uh, Brian Buffalo got their meet started yesterday, the first track in New York uh, to reopen. Kind of tell us what it meant to you. I know we've all kind of been on lockdown, but what did it mean to you to see Harness Racing back in your home turf again? Well, it was a 
much welcome to me because I, I get back. And, you know, when it first happened, I'm going, well, this could be a while. But, you know, uh, things went very well last night. The racing was great. Uh, uh, sometimes difficult to pick the races because a lot of these horses were, you know, hadn't raced since uh, the middle of March. It was definitely uh, a tough card to handicap, but uh, if you hit it, you were rewarded very handsomely. I think the pick five last night uh, for 50 cents paid over $5,700, and there were a couple winning tickets. So, no, it, it was good to see him come back. And, you know, the track did a great job in uh, the social distancing and everything like that. You know, they went above and beyond what I think was probably needed, but they wanted to be 100% sure that all the horsemen and everyone in the paddock area were, you know, safe. Now, Brian, uh, obviously a huge handle number for Buffalo Raceway, a big number. I believe uh, I read in some cases it was over 600,000. And, you know, even even I got even I delved into the uh, delved into a couple of the races. And I'll tell you, it was the one thing about it is they were extremely, extremely competitive. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see that coming off of some of these long layoffs. Yeah, uh, it was very competitive. You look at. You know, some of the prices, you know, you're talking, you know, $80, $90 winners, and every position was kind of live. You had some from the outside, and uh, uh, a couple came from the inside, but the uh, pattern I found was a lot of front running, you know, front speed was, was carrying the night. You got out in front, you know, you were you were pretty well locked in to get the win. Visiting with Brian Mazur and candy camping aficionado at uh, Buffalo Raceway. Of course, Buffalo first track in New York to reopen did so yesterday. Brian, uh, you know, you touched on it already from a handicapping point of view. I think the first couple of weeks of these particular racetracks, whichever racetrack that you choose to play is going to be a little bit of a mystery because you've got horses coming uh, off of long layoffs. As handicappers, how do we kind of handle that monster? Well, I just was looking at Saturday's card. It's Saturday cards are always tough at Buffalo because you got very competitive, you know, horses going against each other. Now, you know, you're throwing them in after a two to three month layoff. And what I'm tending to look at right now, I'm looking at your veteran drivers. You know, the guys who have been winning for year after year after year. You know, the Jim Morals, the uh, Drew Monte, Billy Davis Jr. Those are the guys that you know. They they tend to get the horses. They they know they know what to do at this point. So that's what I looked at last night even. And if you saw the, your, you know, usually the uh, cream of the crop, you know, it rose to the top again last night. You know, just one night, but you know, Jim Morrill had four wins, and he had Kevin Cummings and Ray Fisher, you know, with a couple each. And you know, that's what I think you have to look for too. And you know, look at your perennial uh, uh, top trainers. They're going to have their horses ready every week, week in and week out, and I don't think the layoff is really that much of a difference at this point. Now, Brian, obviously uh, the big news out of this whole thing was that Buffalo was the first track in the state of New York to get back to racing. 
What was that like uh, from your standpoint? I mean, obviously, you know, you, you see a lot of some of the bigger tracks get ready to gear up and race coming up this weekend, but you guys kind of got to set the example um, and uh, kind of got to set the example and, uh, you know, for the rest of the state. Yes. Uh, I know uh, Jim Mango, John Kramer, and that whole crew over there, you know, they had a, a list of different things they had to go through to make sure, you know, the racing was going to be safe. And if you notice, like last night after the fourth race, there was a 35-minute delay, and then after uh, the eighth delay, and that's the fact that we usually have an eight-race paddock, but what they do, they only put four horses or four races in the paddock to get the social distancing. And then after they're all gone there, those four races, they go in and uh, sanitize different areas, the high-touch areas. So when the next group of four horses come, you know, four races come in, they're able to, you know, come to a clean uh, paddock and uh, have a chance to warm up before the next race. So I really think, you know, it, it was a good thing that they did last night, and uh, it, it worked out very well. Safety is the main thing at this point. You want to keep everybody safe. You know, there's uh, hand sanitizing stations throughout the paddock. Everyone has to wear a mask, gloves. You know, and when they come into the uh, paddock for the racing or even to train, you're getting your temperature checked and asked several questions. And they're making sure people are are safe and healthy when they come in. And they want to keep it that way to, you know, we have to go by the laws and the rules set down, and I'm 100% for it. it. You know, that's the thing we have to give up to keep the racing going. You know, we have to do it, period. Yeah, and I think it's important that we stay safe and we prove that we can do so without an outbreak because a lot of the experts are predicting that there could be another round of this come the fall, and if we can kind of prove that we can stay safe throughout this pandemic, then hopefully we as an industry can avoid another shutdown if that second wave does come. Yeah, it's, you know, we've, we're going until the middle of July, so we have, I think, 14 race cards left. And, uh, and then it's just over to Batavia, and they're going to have to take the same measures, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, I have, you know, New York State's being very, very cautious and everything, which is the right thing to do. And uh, it's just great to see everybody back, you know, racing and, you know, trying to recoup, you know, felt it. Well, Brian, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. It's good to see racing back. It's good to see uh, Buffalo Raceway back up and going, and uh, we'll certainly follow. Now, if anybody does want to follow your picks uh, and your insight in the Buffalo Raceway, how could they do so? Well, you can go to my website, which is Brian's Buffalo Raceway Selections at blogspot.com, or you can go right on the Buffalo Raceway webpage and uh, uh, go into the handicapping tab, and my picks are posted there, and there's a link from there back to my website. And I'm telling you, Saturday night's going to be a great night. There's some very, very good races coming up. And, you know, get involved. You, you, you handicap well. You can make a ton of money on Saturday night. That's all I'm going to tell you because I've got a couple of head scratchers and, you know, and a couple of them are in the picks five, so it could be taken down again. You know, we'll see what happens. But, no, Buffalo's going to, you know, it's got some great racing and it's going to continue on right on through July. 
All right, Brian. We certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Best of luck to you moving forward. Thanks a lot. You guys have a good night. All right, that was Brian Mazurik from uh, Buffalo Raceway. Once again, Mike, good to see Buffalo. Good to see all these racetracks start to open back up because uh, we tell you what, we we missed it. You know? Yeah, you're not kidding. It's and and to see Mike that Buffalo, you know, to see one of the, you know, of course, you know, you don't ever want to call a track a B track, but like to see one of the, you know, what I would call the triple A tracks, you know, get to be the first track to kind of set the example for the rest of the state. It's just amazing to see, you know, what they were able to do last night. And like Brian said, there was a couple of instances where they, uh, you know, they had those 35 minute post times and they, you know, sanitized everything. They're taking their temperatures. They're doing everything they got to do to make sure that, uh, that everybody's safe. All right. And Mike, I think we should uh, forego another commercial break because our next guest has been waiting patiently on the, uh, on the line here. And it's our good friend from the, uh, Meadowlands, Dave Brower. Dave, we, we finally made it, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Mike and Mike, uh, I've been tearing my hair out over the last uh, 48 hours going over our first two cards at the Meadowlands, two spectacular 13 race cards, full 10 horse fields, horses coming off of qualifiers at multiple places and things like that. Just trying to Just trying to put the morning line on these things was almost an impossible task. And then to try to actually pick some winners, I'll tell you what, it's been tough. I'm looking forward to it tomorrow night at 7.15, first post. Can't get here soon enough. Now, obviously, uh, Dave, there are a lot of handicapping angles to look at. And I tell you, I got the opportunity when I was uh, working opening uh, weekend at Saturday Downs to kind of take a look at some of those handicapping angles. And, you know, there are some pretty interesting angles that you could take a look at and uh, some layoff stats that uh, some people don't even know exist. Well, it's just going to be hard. So what you have to do as a handicapper, guys, is you have to trust your gut and your instinct. You, deep down, you know which trainers are going to have their horses ready. You know, the Scotty D. Domenico's, the Andrew Harris's, uh, you know, the, the, the Jen Bongiorno horses. Even Ray Schnicker, who had his own qualifiers up at Goshen, uh, he's got a few in this weekend that look like they're in pretty good spots. Uh, Mark Harder's got a couple – uh, that look good, and and one of them coming from uh, down under making his North American debut. So you know, the, the, you know, I, I know the guys that are going to be ready, and I'm going to use my own eyes and judgment from watching the 26 qualifiers from the Meadowlands last week as to which horses I thought were a little bit short, and I explained that in my race review on the Meadowlands website. So. Uh, you know, feel free to download that plus the free programs that we're offering for tomorrow night. You can get the Trackmaster programs for free. So lot, lots of things for the betters. Everybody's going to go about it a little bit differently. You know, you and I, uh, Mike uh, Carter, you know, we handicap a little bit differently sometimes. But, you know, I'm going to be right a couple times and you're going to be right a couple times. So hopefully we can make a little bit of money and uh, maybe have a nice Sunday, you know. Dave, how much credence do we put into these qualifiers? I think it's I think it's the most important thing right now, Mike. To be honest with you, um, unfortunately, you know, I was not able to attend the qualifiers at Gateway Farm or Magical Acres. You know, they just weren't going to let anybody in. So you you just have to look at the line on paper, and you know how deceiving that can be sometimes. But I took super detailed notes about the races from the Meadowlands last week, and uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of you know good things and some you know some bad things against some horses. So if you if you check out my race review, you'll 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 kind of hint hint get the idea of what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> now, Dave, obviously, uh, you know. The, you know, this is one of those situations where, 
you know, we're not used to it. Um, this is a different type of scenario for all of us. You know, we're having different protocols and different handicapping angles and things of that sort. But, you know, there, there was a time when the Meadowlands would take a couple of months off and you'd have some horses that would take a couple of months off and they'd come back. Besides the training angle and knowing who the trainers are and um, what trainers are going to have their horses what other ways can you, you know, can you kind of look and see, you know, if a horse is fit and ready to rock? You watch them score down after they come out in the post parade. And we always have that video uh, up while uh, Dave Little and I are usually talking over, uh, you know, our analysis of the race. You, you know what a sharp horse looks like. And if they're up on the bit and they're scoring down nice and relaxed, but, but with purpose and, and good stride, and you, ch- you look at their weight, you know, to see, make sure one, of, you know, one horse isn't too fat. Like I, I watched Hylator qualify uh, last week, and that was the first thing that popped into my my head. He looks fat, so so I checked in with my sources down in Delaware, and I got the story. He's coming back from a little bit of an injury. You know, he's got post ten uh, uh, Friday or Saturday night. I don't remember which. And you know, he's going to need a race. I don't think we're going to see the you know the the, the ready Hylator just yet. He's going to have to work off some of that uh, extra feed that he's been getting. Visiting with Dave Brown, I think we're all going to have to work off some of that extra feed we've been getting over the <laughs> lockdown the past couple of months. But uh, what do we actually look for in qualifiers other than the obvious, which is speed in the final time and final quarters? Yeah, you look for a strong finish and hopefully under little or no urging. Now, you know, just off the record, uh, so to speak, I was told that, like, when Joe Bongiorno qualified all his horses down at Gateway, a lot of them, you know, he was driving on pretty hard. You know, that, that's his style. That's what he chooses to do. Then there are other guys that are much more uh, conservative in qualifiers, like Brian Sears. He'll, he'll never, you know, beat one up, so to speak, in a qualifier. But if they, you know, if you, if you see them finish strong, you know, un, under a nice tight hold, that's the sign of a sharp horse. If you see a horse gap the pocket and, and lose a little bit of ground late, well, that horse is probably short and probably going to need a race. You know, again, if, if we're only looking at the program line, you know, from Magical Acres or Gateway, we have to guess. But, you know, th- that's this week. After we watch them once go around this weekend, you know, we can, uh, we'll, we'll have our notes and we'll be ready to go after that. All right. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, Dave, for just a second. Okay. You've watched a lot of qualifiers uh, over the past couple of weeks. Besides Menchego, what was the okay. most impressive performance you've seen throughout all of the qualifiers you've seen, you know, whether it be from Scioto all the way to the Meadowlands? Well, I didn't, you know, I, after the first uh, couple of ones at Scioto, I, I didn't really catch up on those after that. But let me, uh, let me flip through a couple of pages here from last week because I can give you Maybe a Maybe some horses to watch. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh in the last Saturday, uh, Okus Fonsted qualified a mare that uh, is just over from Sweden. Her name was Felicity Shagwell. She finished a very good second uh, behind Manchego, who was the star of the day, you know, obviously, and she will be the star of the first race tomorrow night at 7.15. But I really liked what I saw from Felicity Shagwell. Uh, of course, Jim Panzi was great. Uh, Reign of Honor was in that qualifier. He's in a new barn. He's in Friday night, I believe tomorrow night. Uh, I made him the three to one favorite for Dave Miller. He'll, he'll race for the Melander team. Now, uh, Jason Bartlett had one for Eddie Hart, abs Hanover, ABS Hanover, uh, absolutely sensational effort, unchallenged and shut down at the wire. Just to give you an idea, abs Hanover, I think he had like a five length lead at three quarter pole and then ended up winning, you know, the official margin may have been like three quarters of a length. And that's because Jason was shutting the horse down, not because he was getting tired. So, you know, that you have to, you have to see it with your own eyes to understand uh, 
uh, things like that. Let me flip through a couple more here. Uh, yep. the, the ones that are in in the 13th race or from from last Saturday, uh, Nancy Tactor. She had everything qualify well. No, Lou Zing is in to go uh, over the weekend. He's got post six or seven. Joe Sir Fonseca. You want to talk about an explosive last 16th? This horse was airborne. You know, it was really. Uh, eye-catching. This horse has had some uh, head case problems in the past, but if he paces, he's going to be very, very hard to beat. Uh, 16, a couple more here for you. In the 19th, uh, Jim King Jr., Joanne Looney King, they have Soho Burning Love. Uh, Post 10, unfortunately, this weekend, but this horse was very, very good. She was, uh, in her qualifier, just flying up the pylons late with Tim Tietrich, you know, pretty much under a hold. So maybe not this week from Post 10, but... uh, We'll definitely uh, keep that one. And I'll give you one more. This, this might be my best bet of the entire weekend, you know, taken away from the, uh, uh, the, the major races. Robbie Harmon is another guy that's had every horse training every Saturday. He's been doing Facebook Lives. They've been videoing it. He will debut a horse by the name of Higher Than an Eagle. Tyler Buter will drive. This horse was absolutely wrapped up super, super He's in a spot where I don't think he can lose uh, on uh, this weekend, higher than an eagle. So there's plenty of names right there right off the bat. Uh, You know, again, tune in to, you know, Dave Little and I tomorrow night. We're going to do some kind of a show. We're going to have to be separated, obviously, but we'll uh, we'll make it work. You know, we'll uh, be pointing out, you know, all the uh, critical angles uh, that we see and what we see with our own eyes when horses are scoring down. And it's going to be tough because, guys, we're going to be by ourselves. There's going to be nobody there. You know, it's, it's going to be me probably on the first floor, Dave probably up in the press box, and uh, by ourselves because there will be no fans. So that will be weird. It is certainly going to be a new normal. I think it's certainly going to be something that we're all uh, going to have to get used to. Uh, and, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later we can get the fans uh, back in the racetrack. So, Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. I think you armed us with uh, enough fuel to attack this weekend, and uh, we'll see if we can make some money. Yeah, we've all got to go make deposits in our betting accounts. I got that on my list for today, so we'll be ready. (laughs) All right, Dave. Take care, buddy. Thanks for joining us. All right. Have a great day, guys. See you, and good luck and good racing to everybody this weekend. All right. That was uh, our man from the Meadowlands, Dave Brower. Always a a good time when Dave's on the program. He always brings some good insights. And, uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, that's always been a a conundrum for me is kind of what to look for when, you know, you've got all these horses coming off of layoffs and, you know, how much credence do you put into qualifiers and, and uh, so forth. It's, it's going to be a very, very interesting weekend at the Meadowlands. And it's going to be interesting with tracks all across America. They open up and you have horses coming off these layoffs. I agree. But if you, you do your homework, um, I use the 12 line track master past performances, um, opening night. It's or the second night at Sciota, Mike. I mean, I think you remember, I mean, I had a, a $50 horse. We talked about a 70 or a 80 or $90 horse the next night. Right. Um, so there are, there's prices to be had. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know, I'm a stats guy. I'm a numbers guy. I loved it. You know, that's, I handicap some off of stats and, you know, they're not always right. And they're not always a hundred percent accurate, but boy, I'll tell you what, when they're on, you're, you're, you're going to catch a price. So, you know, it, it's like any other angle that you use, um, you know, eventually it's going to hit. And when it does, you need to be there. No question about it. Still lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Brett Reese is going to be joining us. That uh, Reese is the regional operations manager at Tioga and Vernon Downs. And we'll get into 
what's going to be happening at Tioga and Vernon, as well as uh, they have a new track announcer, Mike, that Tioga does. So yep. maybe we'll uh, touch on that as well. You've got first time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Be back in a moment. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard, and on the Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com at southernoakstraining.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And another track, Mike, that's getting ready to get ready to gear up to open up is Tioga Downs in New York. And Brett Racy joins now. And, Brett, lots of new things coming to Tioga Downs, uh, obviously, in the next uh, couple of weeks. But before we get to that, there, a, a little birdie told me, that uh, that that you called qualifiers, and I got to I got to know how that went. I got to know. Um, it was very good. I actually called a couple kindergarten races last year that were non betters that were um, in between. We had about a fifteen race card with the um, baby races, and I called a few non betting races, so I had a taste for it. Um, but I've done some at Vernon. We had sixteen qualifiers there on Tuesday, and then I did some yesterday here, and uh, everything has been going smooth. That's good. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a new normal here as racetracks across the country start to open back up. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot of protocols. They're going to have to be taking the safety is going to have to be at the forefront of this thing. Tell us about what uh, what you guys kind of implemented at uh, Tioga and Vernon and uh, maybe some of the safety things that horsemen can expect upon uh, re-arriving back at the racetrack. Yeah, so um, paddock procedures is basically almost like a grocery store. You're going to have one way in, one way out. Um, at least at Vernon and Tioga. And then um, the mask, obviously, if you're practicing social distancing, you don't need a mask. If you're not practicing social distancing, you need a mask. And then our regulars on our backstretch, they will have to um, either be outside of their barn or only inside of their barn 
will they be allowed to not have a mask on if they are outside their barn and someone is speaking with them and they're practicing social distancing, then they don't need a mask. So it's basically state mandates that we're abiding by, but um, everyone's done an excellent job as a group together. I can say that for both facilities. Yeah, Brett's obviously a new normal and new protocols, and there are different things in place. And, you know, having to gear up for a meet like this, uh, not only for you at Tioga, but at Vernon as well coming up, um, obviously a lot of time and a lot of effort has gone into this. Talk about what uh, what it took to get to where you guys are at today and uh, how you guys plan on uh, utilizing that going forward. So we have we put in um, basically a couple different security um, measures ourselves. We put in a backstretch roster for each facility, and then we did a secondary roster basically that states every trainer, um, driver, and groom because for each facility, we have to be almost like on a lockdown where everyone that ships in must be on the list or they can't get through our main gate. So we only have one way in and one way out for a main gate at each um, property. And then I guess the tougher part has been um, with the state, they've answered and changed the rules a couple different times. So that's mixed it up for us as far as safety regulations. So we've had to go back um, through the paperwork multiple different times. But I would say if this seems to go on another year, we'll be ready, a lot more ready than we were this year, obviously. But um, the drivers, um, they have it the easiest. And then the trainers have it probably the hardest if they have a second trainer and grooms working under them. So the protocols will be in place until we hear otherwise, but um, we're ready right now to get racing. Visiting with Brent Reese, and uh, obviously you mentioned a good point. We, we are, so I think everybody's ready to, to uh, get back to racing, even though it's going to be a little bit of a new normal. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've touched on this with Dave. We touched on this with Brian, our two previous guests. Now we're going to touch on this with you. Uh, from a handicapping angle, from a handicapping point of view, you've got a lot of different horses that are coming off of layoffs. What are some of the things uh, that handicappers can uh, can kind of do to to offset some of those uh, some of that puzzle? So, as a handicapper, um, I'm obviously the track handicapper for both facilities. The first thing you need to watch, um, if you were to ask me, is what barns end up doing good the first couple races um, each night at each track but I think you also need to watch the track bias because opening night at Scioto Downs there just a week ago Ron Burke ended up winning uh, if I can recall I think six races in one night and Chris Page had driven almost all of them but he had his horses it seemed to be already but the track was playing big to speed so you want to see if there's um, a lot like a basically a closers bias or a speed bias but also the biggest part I think is to watch what trainers seem to be doing well at the meet early on and that'll be you know a a big factor for handicappers because off of a layoff some horses take two or three starts to develop other horses they love the time off and then that first first race back they're just ready to rock and roll and get back to what they usually do and that's racing week in and week out now, Brett, uh, let's talk a little bit about the announcement that was made last night. Uh, Andrew Shades is coming to Tioga Downs, uh, obviously a big, big personality. Uh, talk about him and uh, what you guys are looking forward to as far as uh, that is concerned. Uh, he's back here. Um, we've been in the office here the last week. He's done a great job so far. He's going to be part of our team here. Um, we're lucky to have him. Obviously, from the thoroughbred side, people have seen him um, 
you know, on TV and via simulcast. And um, he's a big baseball fan. I've gotten to know him very well. He's a very, very kind kid. Um, you know, we love the youth. I'm a big fan of youth in the sport. We need it, especially for harness racing, whether it be a driver or a trainer. And he he's very sharp. You know, some people say, well, what is sharp? He knows just about everything. Um, but that's on the thoroughbred side of the game. So he will convert to harness racing. And he's a very good announcer, a little bit of a monotone announcer. I guess if someone wanted to ask me, he is more on the quiet side. But he does, he'll be able to, you know, change his tone and make a race out of things when, you know, they come into deep stretch and it's a, a close one at the wire. Visiting with Brett Reese. Brett, before we let you go, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a preview of what uh, fans can expect uh, from Tioga Downs and Vernon Downs here in 2020? Um, I would expect, obviously, you know, we're going to have our regular big stakes races down here at Tioga, the roll with Joe, um, for the older, um, open pacers there. We'll have the Artscape open mare pace, the Crawford farms, um, open trot, and then the joie de vie trot. Those are our four major stakes races down here, as well as the empire breeders classic finals for the Colt and Philly pacers. That'll be at Tioga. And then we'll have the Colt and, um, Philly trotters at Vernon. And I would expect to see, just out of um, curiosity, if people are wondering out there, I would expect to see the bigger fields at Vernon um, pertaining to we have more space up there in our barn area. But we will have, I'll give you a sneak peek, we're going to have some top drivers here at Tioga um, per a few phone calls and word on the backside because of in June we'll be going Sunday, Monday. We're going to benefit as the Meadowlands is going to be going Friday, Saturday. Tioga will go Sunday, Monday, and Vernon will go Wednesday, Thursday. So watch the driver colony at each facility as um, we expect some new drivers at Tioga and Vernon. Good, good stuff. Well, Brett, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. And, uh, well, we made it out of this lockdown. Uh, It's been a couple of months, but uh, racing is back, and uh, it's good to see it. Yep. We, uh, everybody, you know, some people love uh, sports or some people, you know, love reading books, but. If there's one thing I could say is I get up, you know, every day now that this is over and thank God for harness racing. Yeah, no question about it. Appreciate it, Brett. Best of luck to you. Okay, guys. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. That was Brett Reese, the regional operations manager at Tioga and Vernon Downs. And, uh, Mike, that's kind of an interesting schedule that uh, the Meadowlands and Tioga and Vernon have, have kind of put together. So it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, if Tyler and Vernon does get the, some of the bigger name drivers. Yeah, for sure. And I like their racing schedule, Mike. I love, love, love that racing schedule um, that they have come up with. So um, I'm interested to see how that's uh, how that's going to kind of play out for them. And, you know, like I said, I, I love that they're going to run Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because then it allows the driver colony to kind of, you know, rotate between the three tracks and it allows them to, uh, to drive more because obviously the Meadowlands only races two days a week. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a big undertaking. Yeah, no question about it. It's going to be a huge undertaking. Some of the, the protocols now they're going to have to be kept in place. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to take a lot of reminding because, you know, you, I mean, you, you get, you know, especially like for the grooms and so forth, you know, they get into such a rhythm uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of reminding to kind of get them to pay attention to, uh, you know, social distancing, wearing masks, things of that sort. And uh, and, I, and I think it's going to be very important, Mike, because, uh, you know, if this second wave does come around, we want to stay open this time. Yeah. 
we, we don't want to go into another lockdown, shutdown situation. So I think it's very important that we as an industry uh, prove to our uh, local and state legislatures that, you know what, we can operate safely and uh, we can supply good tax dollars to the state, uh, but also we can supply good entertainment to, uh, you know, to fans. And it's, it's very important, I think. Uh, this is a very important stretch in harness racing, Mike, because I really do believe we've got an opportunity to get some new eyes on the product. I agree 100%. This is a big opportunity, and I think we need to take it. All right. We're going to wrap things up when we come back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA. Back in a moment. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging MOA, charging hard at the 6 minute From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Thanks so much for all of our guests for joining us here this Thursday morning. We'll see everybody back here next Thursday with the first post of 1030. Enjoy the racing as it returns. Again, racing returns to a lot of racetracks uh, coming near you. So make sure you enjoy the racing action this week. Good night, everybody. Oh